This is a Her Camera podcast brought to you by Newcast. Hello and welcome to The Canberrans. We're a show and a podcast proudly brought to you by the teams at Her Canberra and Newcast Studios and filmed right here in the Lonsdale Street Studios in Braddon. Um, today it is my very great pleasure to introduce the coffee man himself, former world champion barista and someone who's really put uh, Canberra's coffee culture on the map, Sasha Sestik. Welcome, Sasha. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> now, Sasha, it will become very apparent during this interview that you are obsessive, you are competitive, um, but coffee actually wasn't your first obsessively competitive thing, was it? Tell us about your childhood yeah. and, and uh, how you ended up at the Olympics. Um, yeah, I think my my childhood is interesting. Interesting in a way is that you know we I lived in a country once called Yugoslavia. Um, some of you maybe know, but that country does not exist anymore. Mm. So we lived in Croatia, and um, at very young age, I, I loved sport. You know, I, I really got into it. Uh, my brother, my older brother, played European handball, and you know. I was always in, inspired by my brother. You know, he was my big he, mentor. He probably needed someone to play with as well. Yeah. So he started playing handball following his footsteps. But then as wars started, you know, from Croatia, we moved to Bosnia and uh, we settled there for a couple of years. Another war started in Bosnia. So we moved to Serbia and another war started in Serbia. And somehow my dad managed to, you know, bring us here. And Australia was a one, number one choice because we had the opportunity to come here and hopefully represent Australian Olympic Games, get assistantship and uh, continue playing in Europe. That was that was the plan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, we did play World Championships, a uh, few of them. We played Olympic Games together, Dragon and me. Uh, but then somehow I fell in love with a coffee and here I am talking to you today <laughs> about coffee. <laughs> well, do you remember where, you know, the first sort of seminal coffee experiences that tore you away from handball and sport and actually because there was a time when you were sort of had to make a choice didn't you yeah and that time in between was very confusing maybe you know dark times of my life mm. <laughs> where you where you continue playing handball and you sort of I, even though i got offered a great contract in my last world championships in 2003 i was not feeling it mm. you know and you you kind of prepare yourself all your life to achieve that goal and when you're about to achieve it, you can't think, I actually don't think I want this anymore. A lot of different reasons, you know, got married. Uh, my wife is pregnant with a, with young, with Anna now. And, uh, and looking at a lot of handball players, they travel the countries, they change the clubs. I kind of did not, once you know that life in a more yeah. depth, I did not really want it. Yeah. Uh, so we thought we might do something else. So that's something else it took me a while to find. Obviously it's a coffee. Uh, but a good period of three or four years was uh, what I'm going to do, you know. And mm. you kind of regret, oh, I should have accepted this contract. I should have done it and doubting yourself. But then um, somehow coffee came to my to my life. And, and it was not really anything to do with the taste, which is really weird because now I'm... I'm so anal about the taste. It's got to taste good. It's yeah. got to taste perfect. But it was to do, I feel, with the people. I loved hospitality always. I loved talking to people, I loved serving people, I loved cooking, but I kind of could not imagine myself being in a kitchen at the back and, and cook and not talk. Um, 
So I've tried many different, you know, jobs in hospitality, worked in a clubs, in functions. And Betty, my wife, she told me, oh, well, I work in an Italian bakery. They need a barista. Give that a go. You've tried everything. <laughs> You're not happy with none of the things. This might be okay for She's you. She's a good woman. And yeah, managed to, you know, get my shift today in Italian bakery and um, start making coffees and never looked back yeah. since. Now, tell us about your first shop that you and your brother and your wives um, scrimped and saved. Um, it was the Hansel and Gretel in Monica. How Hansel did you, what, what did you do to save the money um, to, to buy your first shop? Oh, so Monica was, uh, yeah, Hanson Gretel and Monica, we started it in 2002. And uh, prior to opening this shop, we've I've wanted to do a lot of diff. I obviously could not afford proper big renovation. Um, we had no budget. So I started doing courses on bricklaying, um, tiling, carpentering, building decks. And we, we had a super small budget, so I actually renovated the shop myself okay. with the help of, you know, family. And for about a couple of years, that was okay. But then we had a big fire because I did not, obviously, was not qualified, did not do it properly. Um, so there was, there were the interesting times. Like, I think we always, we knew that we love coffee. That was the main thing. And it, like, I'm so thankful that I found that something that I love doing yeah. and more and more I do it, more I love it now. We had no idea how to do it. I did not even know how to make coffees properly. Uh, my first coffees, you, we call them mountain chinos. You have like, you just put so much froth on top and sprinkle the chocolate, sprinkle a lot of chocolate. So it does taste weird because coffee naturally is bitter. Uh, so I was doing all of these wrong things. But for me, you know, what I was looking at that time is if I can serve coffee to someone, have a lovely conversation and, you know, they say, oh, this was really nice. That would make my day and that would give me energy to keep evolving and keep learning, keep getting better. Um, so they were, it was learning process and everything. Mm. But one thing we, you know, as a family, we never wanted to say we don't know or we can't do it or it's too hard. We somehow always found a way to, mm. even though it was not probably best way. <laughs> Well, you've got to learn. You've got to, you've got to experience first. Um, I love that you still know the very first coffee that really switched you onto coffee, which you've told me in previous interviews, <laughs> was an Ethiopian Beloya, which was yep. served to you at Mecca Coffee Roasters in Sydney. Yeah. Um, tell me what it tasted like. Uh, coffee tasted like blueberries, kind of chocolate blueberry muffin. It was crazy sweet, like vanilla. Definitely... No bitterness, yeah. no high acidity, definitely coffee that made, you have these moments and it just clicked and said, wow. Yeah. And firstly, I felt great enjoyment. Well, can coffee taste this good? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then tried it, well, I need to make it as good as this. Mm. And it took me on. One journey to me, the owner of Mecca, and I said, I need more. Of I'd love to taste more. And he said, no, I don't have any more. It's all gone. But we have some in Melbourne in a coffee shop. So you jumped on a plane. Jumped on a plane and flew to Melbourne. Uh, tasted quite a few of these coffees as well. I said, wow, this is so good. Yeah. And made me obsessed that I do want to see Biloya, Ethiopia, which I traveled to yeah. a few years later. You know, Went to the farm, hugged these trees. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful moment, and I think it's just that moment of, of enlightening. Why do I do what I do? Like, it, I kind of got my answer. Yeah. Of course, it's always about people, but it's kind of about chasing that perfect cup of coffee, which I think that experience made it clear for me. And 
you know, every time when someone asks me, what's your best espresso, I always think of it. Yeah. And uh, it's always, you know, it's obviously made an impact on me that, yeah. you know, what I do today, it obviously has helped me. Mm. So there's, there's obviously, um, there's the taste and that emotional connection. And Lord knows we all love coffee. Anyone who drinks coffee gets how good a coffee can be. But also it's been um, a big business journey. And not all um, people who are passionate about uh, what they sell are also good at, at doing business. Tell us about um, where you think you've done well with um, Owner and why it's been mm-hmm. such, such a success. Yeah. I think number one is uh, vision and clarity. That I was from Ethiopian moment, I was very clear what I want to do in coffee. Uh, and it's and I love what I do. It's just you know obsession, as you mentioned. Yeah. So in order to have that clarity inside of myself, to be able to communicate that clarity with people around me, that's most important. Second most important is to find the people that you know have a similar values, similar mm. vision, like myself. Um, and then the rest we just figure things out. You know, mm. it's everything else becomes kind of second more important thing uh, and big success of honor is, is a honor team mm. they you know they all love what they do i hope <laughs> well, i think and they and i i guess the way i'm we manage our companies it's very collaborative mm-hmm. so you know they have freedom to learn to develop i kind of don't tell them what they need to do. I try to be their mentor, their coach, yeah. get best out of them so they can have their own ideas, their own innovations. Um, I think million innovations that we do in a company, it's not because of, you know, Sasha Sestic. It's because we nurture this, these people so they can have these crazy ideas and they can go forward. Yeah. So talking about uh, crazy ideas and going forward, let's uh, go to 2015 when you were crowned Australian barista champion and you went to Seattle to represent the country at the World Championships. And not only did you represent us, but you won. What was it like? Oh, you're giving me goosebumps now. <laughs> I, rem- I uh, remember clearly. Yeah. I remember the news. It was huge. It was it was a huge moment for the city. It really was. Yeah. I felt we just, you know, we'd made it. But um, you, you were collapsing from flu and, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a challenging week. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking now what was it like. I think for that World Barista Championships, it's the probably the very first time when I competed in, in coffee, I looked at it like handball. Yeah. Because all of my previous competitions in coffee, you know, I would do certain things well, but maybe I would not look after myself, look after my diet, or, or would not be as disciplined with the training. And, uh, and I really tried to kind of go back because I kept competing in Australia. I kept failing uh, many years and like seven years of competing. It was not kind of easy to go there year by year yeah. and lose and lose and lose. And like, why? Why am I losing? And um, so I opened up my eyes and said, well, I need, a, I need a team to you know help me there. And I really zoomed in to what I need to do for like four months, 10, 12 hours trainings. Um, did not really kind of look at anything around, but just how do I make this espresso perfect? How do I communicate my values, my vision? I'd love world to be know who Sasha Sestik is, not to be someone else, but just to be me. And 
As, as we know, like it's easier to give advice to someone, but it's hard to kind of find your true meaning and true mm. true values. And so I was not really looking at it. Oh my God, I'm going on a world stage, and I'm I've, I'm doing something huge. It was just me, my coffee, and being the best I can be. Um, kind of like a kid in a, in a lolly shop. So, yeah. and everything was fine up until um, we've made the semifinals and top 12 in the world, and then I collapsed. Five o'clock in the afternoon after the announcement, completely collapsed, could not stand on my feet anymore. Mm. Uh, I've seen the movie, it yeah. was, yeah. Betty took me to hospital, we spent the whole night in hospital, and that, that was that was very psychological kind of game because you, you can't talk, you can't. I tried to talk, I cough, uh, blood infection, like 40 degrees temperature, and um, I think probably most challenging night of my life, <laughs> because following day is the finals, and you you know it's once in a lifetime opportunity to be in the top six in the world. And uh, but yeah, again, it comes down to a team. You know, like, you know, Betty was amazing. The whole night she was you know handing me the tea, and my entire team made sure that everything is perfect. I just need to look good and appear myself on on the stage. I remember our roster was running. Five, six o'clock in the morning to go to these local juice shops that so I can have freshly squeezed healthy juice. <laughs> so it, it was insane, like the amount of effort everyone has gone through to make me, f you know, energized. Um, and I think that but it worked. Yeah, what you really won. carried is the team and, and the people. And then when I went to the stage, I said, well, you know what, I'm just going to give my best. Do it. You also had a secret ingredient, didn't you? Which I love. I love. It's such a Canberra, beautiful, yeah. beautiful synergy. You had a tiny dash of Clonakilla Shiraz. Yeah, Who would have thought Tim, to put Shiraz exactly. in your coffee? But Tim Kirk has done awesome things for us because we, thankfully to collaboration we had with Clonakilla Winery and with the team and him being so generous, showing us exactly what he does with the wines and how mm. he does fermentation and processing. It really has inspired me not just to put some of his you know, juice into a signature drink, but also to see how do we ferment coffee in a better, more yeah. controlled, more precise way. So we have introduced to the world the first time carbonic maceration, which is very known in wine processing, uh, to the world of coffee. No one in the coffee, I could not even pronounce it for a few years, what is carbonic maceration? <laughs> uh, and that, and I think that 2015 captures, you know, everything I love. I love the city, I love Canberra, you know, local collaboration. Yeah. Um, and thankfully to, you know, team and lo being local now, we actually have better coffees worldwide because a lot of other coffee producers from all over the world are doing carbonic okay. maceration yeah. process. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. What sort of an impact do you think that this win had on the city? Because it was front page news. I mean, it was, it was, it was national news and yeah. little, little Canberra, you know, was, was, and coffee's cool. We yeah. just had this huge cosmopolitan street cred and it really did um, change things for us didn't it yeah absolutely it's it's just been i do know like as i mentioned many years ago i would travel from canberra to melbourne to taste amazing coffees and it's been amazing to see people from other cities driving here uh, we had few coffee lovers flying from dubai to canberra to taste our coffees yeah. They stayed here for a few days and they flew back. I could not in my life ever dream about that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we have now a lot of great local coffee roasters, a lot of amazing shops that I hope they can say, oh, you know, what Sasha has done it, we can do it too. And, yeah. and working, collaborating together. 
So we definitely, and I don't think that, you know, I've put coffee on the map together. We have done something great for our city. And and what's nice is we're not Sydney, we're not Melbourne, we're Canberra. And, you know, we, we're proud of it. So we, we extract coffee differently, we roast it differently. We like coffee a little bit different, and yeah. that's beautiful about what we what we have here. Yeah. Uh, no one can copy and paste Canberra like it's, you know. But apparently we have a very um, sophisticated coffee drinking community. We are in Australia, we're the least likely to ever drink an instant coffee. Yeah. We're the most likely to go out and actually get a barista made coffee. So really, you're preaching to the converted. Do you love that? that that the city's um, people um, are open to a good coffee experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it was I've read that article a few years ago that statistics are saying that we drink least amount of instant in you know per capita, which is amazing. So, uh, uh, but what I think what's special about this city is that we we support local, we mm. love local, and. Even though maybe at a times when local is not as as good than than interstate, people still support local. So they they give it us energy to be the best we can. Yeah. You know, as I mentioned, for many years I'll go in a competition, I'll, I'll compete, and I'll be that last. But then when I come here to our local shop in Monaco and I see even smiling faces of our customers, that that gives us an energy. So well, you know what? I'll get better. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not gonna, you know, just break and stop. Like yeah. we're gonna continue going. So, and you know, many different restaurateurs and cafes, and you know, and all of the great business owners here. That I feel they they feel the same vibe. That mm. and and good words in Canberra that spread fast. If we do something with integrity and we put passion and drive and love, uh, we can see it a lot faster than what we possibly can see it in the in the other cities. Yeah. The Canberrans video series and podcast is produced at the Lonsdale Street Studio, Canberra's only dedicated studio space for video production, photography and podcasting. Bookings are available online at lonsdalestreetstudio.com or by calling 61714144. though about um, we've had this massive um, rise in the number of cafes opening in the number of restaurants do you think it's sustainable in the future do you think we can keep up this sort of pace of um, you know new businesses opening do we have the population to sustain it um, there's a lot of cafes opening a lot of restaurants uh, the the main difference is why are they opening? And for me, that's the main question. What are these people that are opening these places trying to do? And if, if they do it for pure pure passion and drive and they're really genuine, they want to share their story, their personality, and they want to bring that into either a cup of coffee or plate or cocktail, absolutely. Uh, because people in Canberra will recognize that quality. Mm. They'll recognize it as something valuable and personal. Um, Unfortunately, you know, we, we, I guess, can talk about dark side as well. <laughs> uh, quite few um, cafe owners or maybe restaurateurs, they open because they say, ah, you know, this, this cafe does so well, they're always busy. 
uh, I'm about to retire, I'll go and open up my own place. And I'm saying unfortunately for them, because that after, you know, six or 12 months, they, they see, well, this is really hard work. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not easy and it's, it's hard work. And, uh, and then we can see this possibly shops not doing as well. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, my, my recommendation is if anything you're doing, whether it's a cafe or whatever it is, just there has to be deeper meaning why you you know want to start this new venture and it's it should go way beyond the title or money um it's it's i think it should be about legacy or the experience mm. sasha i would imagine you've had many offers to go and set up um overseas you know relocate the family why do you stay here and what do you love most about the city well this city has given us everything we have of you know I've met my wife here. We, our kids are born here. Uh, we love the lifestyle. It's it's relaxing. It's comforting. It's the only city where you in the middle of the center and it's full of greenery and lakes. Like it's it's a luxury what we have here. Mm. Um, thankfully to this city, I love what I do more than you know. I can wake up every morning and say, "Well, I do love my job," and uh, it's. Yeah, I feel that I owe a lot to this city in a, in a way that, you know, before coming to Canberra, I moved to four countries, eight cities, 20 houses. So I'm, I'm you know, sick and tired of moving mm-hmm. uh, and, and being here and having the opportunity to, you know, see my family grow, see my, my you know, my, my friends uh, on, on a regular basis and be able to travel overseas as much as I used to up until this year and uh, and then come here and just feel peace and quiet and yeah. it's just yeah it's awesome um, I don't even though I do appreciate I have been spending more time in Sydney lately and I do, I do appreciate vibrancy and everything but every time when I come back to Canberra where I drive or I fly so uh, this this feels like home yeah. uh, so um, there's so, so many reasons is there anything missing from the city? Beach. <laughs> True that. Yeah. I love beach. You know, in, in Croatia, we lived on the coast. I love water. Uh, but that's, you know, that's the only thing, I think. Yeah, it's a yeah. common refrain, isn't it? <laughs> now, tell us about Project Origin, which is a wonderful initiative. Um, what made you decide that you needed to actually do something to give back to the coffee producers yeah. that, you were, um, that you were buying from? I'll try to give you a short story. <laughs> no, you can tell us in you can tell us in, in okay. depth. So again with my crazy idea going on Ethiopian story, I, I need to make coffee awesome and tasty. Um, being barista for five, six years, being a roaster for three, four years. So naturally I, I wanted to go to the farms to understand what's happening on a farm level so I can make coffees even tastier. Uh, but then when I went to the farms, I was a little bit shocked and a little mm. bit touched with how people live. And, and then I started learning and understanding more that, you know, majority of the coffees that we drink, they come from third world countries. Um, majority of the coffees that we buy are through um, commodity market, which means farmers that do not set their prices. For example, today, price is $1.20. Being a coffee farmer myself as well, minimum um, cost to grow coffee is about $1.40, $1.50. And, uh, and if you look at last 20 or 30 years, at least 50% of these years, farmers would grow their coffee for loss. And they know they're going to make a loss. 
so um, I kind of didn't really like that system. Didn't make what, sense for me. What sort of um, what sort of conditions did you see the workers living in, and how so, were they working? Yeah, when I went to India for the very first time, like the, this farm in India that now we work and it's it's a wheat. They've been growing coffee since 1960s, and you, I, I would go on a farm. I would, I would see mums, you know, with their with their little kids in this forest with these big canopy trees and it's almost like a jungle. They they would, you know, pick the coffees with the kids with them or, or toddlers, they would put them next to these big canopy trees. There's there's snakes, there's leopards, there's wildlife in there. And it's it's kind of known that or common that from time to time people would get missing from that place. Yeah. And I just could not, you know I could not get past that towards that I'm just going to go here, I'll cup these coffees, I'll pick the best coffees for me and leave, give them commodity prices and not do anything about it. Like, it just didn't sit well with me. Uh, so after seeing all of these experiences, I came back to Canberra, I said to my team, like, we, we need to do something. We need to start doing projects. And, and the project, project, project worked was like, like let, let's do build a childcare center for these people, as we did. Uh, let's build the sanitary systems because they don't even have a clean water in there. They, they don't have a toilet, they don't have hot water, they, they can't go to school. Like, let's start doing something. Mm. Um, I love using a phrase, let's, you know, let's think big, but let's start today small. It doesn't matter what it is, whatever we have. Yeah. Um, so we called this buying company Project Origin. But at least what we could do straight away, we could offer them good prices. Mm -hmm. We know what it costs them. You know, if it costs them dollar forty, let's offer you fifty, fifty percent above what's costing you, rather than and give them that comfort that they know that it doesn't matter what happens with the world market. If it crashes, they know we're gonna buy all of the coffees. Yeah. Uh, and then we started doing these um, really cool projects where we sort of said, "Oh, let's raise some money for childcare center, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, and and then it grew that we now do non-profit auctions in Central America, where we founded over 600,000 USD dollars to directly to producers. We made a book, the Coffee Man book, uh, which is non-profit. And I think that's just under $200,000, you know, worth of sales. And uh, and as we grow, we can now actually start doing more bigger things as we have been. And it's it's been nice. It's been actually nice to go back to India, and I was I was in India with my son last year, and to actually see that this place looks different. You yeah. know, kids go to school now. They, there's a school bus. They have you know electric fencing around the farm. They have sanitary systems. Yeah. They have a basics of living uh, that are a lot better than what they were four years ago. And they're going forward, and they you know they're developing. So, um, what's more important to you, perfect cup of coffee, or making a difference to the people? That's very nicely said because this is my personal vision. It's throughout making a perfect cup of coffee, making a difference for people. That's mm. that's what I want to do. Yeah. And that's what, you know, thankfully we have a lot of people in a company. Uh, they really believe in that mission. Of course, some people are obsessed about perfect cup and that's what they specialize in. Some people in a company are obsessed about making a difference. And we need all of these different brains, uh, different motivations, different whys, yeah. in order to do, you know, mm. to make, throughout making a perfect cup of coffee, making a difference in reaching people's lives. Yeah. Now, last time we sat down and did an in-depth interview about two years ago, you 
were saying that you needed to slow down. I guess COVID's actually kind of put the brakes on uh, your travels. Um, the year that I spoke to you, you'd spent 220 days overseas. Um, I wanted to just mention your wife, Betty, who you met, you both met at, during English language class at CIT. And um, she's really, um, you know, looked after the kids, kept the business afloat. You've been off doing your thing. Do you think you would be here without her? Oh, she's, a, she's an absolute champion. People say uh, behind great man, there's a great woman. I, I don't agree with that. I don't think she's behind. <laughs> she's yeah. way in front of me, guiding me, telling me, yeah. helping me to be the best person I can be. And, and yeah, just supporting, un unconditionally supporting. And she obviously recognized that, you know, in 2015, I do need to do what I need to do for mm. a few years. Um, thankfully to COVID now, I have dramatically stopped traveling. And But as we've spoken last time, I did make that progress that from 220 days, we went to 200 days. I think following year was 180 and last year was uh, about 120 days. What about this year? Zero. Um, almost zero. I was in Kenya and Ethiopia in January and that was it. Yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's been great to be able to actually have that balance with a, with a mm. family, with, with actually people within a company as well, and to be in Australia, to be present. Um, in many ways, COVID has kind of pushed me to get that balance. I think I have it now. Yeah. So when things are good to go back to normal, I'll sort of... Turn it down a little I bit. I turn it down and I think I'll have a great understanding how to approach next at least four or five years. Mm. Now, I wanted to end on um, a note about your personal coffee consumption. I want an honest answer on how much you drink each day, um, what times of day you drink, and your favourite um, brew of, let's just say, this week, because I know you've... Okay. So, yeah, first coffee is in the morning, but just when we wake up, uh, Betty will give me a look, and that look means go and make me coffee. So <laughs> sometimes I pretend I'm sleeping because I don't feel like making coffee, and, I go, and she'll give me a nudge. So yeah, starts off with a morning coffee, us together, and uh, two, three more coffees in the coffee shops. Our first one would be a filter, definitely. Mm -hmm. And um, during the lunch, a few espressos. So how many? We how three, four. Yeah. Three, four a day. And, uh, well, that's we, not too bad, a day. Yeah, three, yeah. four a day, if it's just normal every day. Favourite coffee this week? Uh, that's easy. I've done coffee experience in Sydney on Saturday, so it's still kind of this week, if I can say. <laughs> uh, Finca Debra, uh, one of our carbonic maceration processes yeah. inspired by Tim Kirk's espresso, and we drank that in two sips. I had this really nice cold cup, so first sip was all about red fruits, and then when temperature dropped down, second sip was all about florals and jasmine. Mm. So very memorable cup. Tell me though, if you're doing coffee tastings, do you spit it out or do you how do you get the jitters? What's if it's delicious, I don't spit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to live. It's a good mantra for yeah, life. It depends. It? Like I mean, this morning I've tasted 20 coffees and 15 coffees were exceptional. We had issues with a few coffees, so we would normally not, we would just mm. judge it. But some coffees you just drink to enjoy. Mm. Uh, but sometimes when we taste like 20, 30, 40, 50 coffees a day, like between 30 and 50, I probably would not drink. I'll, I'll just sort of have a taste and spit yeah. like with a wine. Yeah. Otherwise, you may have some heart issues to deal with. Yeah, apparently you can have 60, 60 full coffees before heart issues. So, it's, <laughs> you know, 
Tiny You've obviously <laughs> checked this out with your doctor. Anyway, don't have too many because we need you. We need you to keep doing what you're doing. It's been such a pleasure to speak to you today, Sasha. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Always a pleasure talking to you. You're welcome. Thank you. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that this series was recorded on, the Ngunnawal people. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge their continuing culture and the contribution they make to the life of this city and region. The Canberrans is a collaboration between Her Canberra, Newcast, Lonsdale Street Studio and Salon Canberra.